let's talk about Amanda. Let's talk about this show mm. and LGBT plus. Asterisk. Yes. Yes. Um, so I think kind of in our 2020 world, any piece that is very explicitly and very thematically about sexual exploration in any form is about queerness. Um, because like for better or worse, any of the, any of the things that Eve experiments with in this from whether it, even if the, even if it's heterosexual depictions she's watching her, her kink, her fantasy, whatever that is um, perceived as deviance uh, that is perceived as queerness. Um, so I don't, so I don't even know that Amanda is the thing that makes Eve queer, that the relationship with men is the thing that makes Eve queer. And some would argue that she's, she is just a queer person because her sexual desire exists outside what is considered a norm, but I don't know. That's a debate that people have had. I don't know that kink necessarily is queer. Um, but I think kind of academically speaking, it is anyway. There's queer folk, there's trans folk. Um, sorry, say it again, Carl. I said the gang's all here. The gang's all here. The gang's all here. The woman at the supermarket that she has a sexual fantasy about. Oh. I like that And I part. love that moment because there is no, there's no like fraughtness in Eve of like, oh, so am I a lesbian? Like there's no. Oh yeah, like, no, just, that's. It's, it's just desire. It's just desire. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of what I mean. Yeah. Where it's totally. like, uh, there's no sexual labels assigned to anybody. The only, yeah. the only labeled identity we, we engage with in the show is Margot as a trans woman, played yeah. by Jen Richards, who is a trans actor. Um, I love Margot, and I love Margot's storyline, and I'm just so glad it's there. And there's there's so much in that. Can we kind of touch on that? Yeah, yeah. Or Let's was there do that. Else we were going. Well, um, I just kind of want to like play in this in this world of of what the show is doing about queerness because I think it's a huge part of the show. Yeah, and it would have felt so like remiss if that wasn't in there. Mm -hmm. um, and how queerness, I think, kind of like interacts with like straight culture like one of the things that I was really struck by and I like wrote this down was that like the scene where everyone in the writing class goes out to a bar and Margot is like oh you know when I came out and everyone's kind of like what oh you're gay and she's like no no I'm trans I I guess maybe you guys didn't know that and Barry's response is, is, you know, Barry, who's like right. the, the one very clearly coded, like straight white man in the group is like, oh, so does that mean you had the surgery? And he's very quickly scolded by um, Curtis, shoot, Curtis. And, you know, like, and he's like, he responds, you know, oh, I'm sorry. I, I just, I don't know the right thing to say. And he's kind of like very apologetic about it. And then immediately following is the scene where Brendan is in the autism support group. Mm. and 
he keeps using the R word again and again, even though they're telling him like, that's not appropriate. We don't use words like that here. And he kind of is like slipping up half trying, but not really trying. And I just thought it was so poignant that those two scenes were like put together because it really shows like the ways that you can exist as a straight person encountering whether it's queerness or it's you know neurodivergence how your response can either be like I'm I'm really sorry like I don't know the right words to use I'm gonna like try or to just kind of be like weird about it and be like yeah yeah sure and then like kind of half make the effort and do you also think that that's kind of a statement about it's making a point about generational differences too yeah, but it's funny because it's not in the way that I feel like boomers would, like, think it is, you know? Right. Or, like, oh, this new generation, everyone has, like, no gender and they all have blue hair. Like, right. it's not the case. I feel like, you know, Barry does say something incredibly offensive and, like, invasive and rude, but then is really apologetic about it. I mean, he's right. a little bit, like, self-effacing. He's a little bit like, oh, I'm, like, sorry, I'm baby. Right, But I he don't tries know. and... And he's right. apologetic, yeah. Um, and Margot is, I really love Margot's response to it because she accepts the apology, but she doesn't go so far as to be like, it's fine, you didn't do anything oh God, wrong. I get that you're a man yeah. of a certain age, whatever. Like, yes. no, you did a fucked up thing. Yeah. Like, you said things you shouldn't have said. I, I will, I understand you know, I, well, and I guess this comes back to the thing where like Margot is somebody and the, the whole conversation about what happens with her, and I'm not making a value judgment on one or the other, but for her and in that experience, intention is accounted for. Sure. And yeah. that apology is given with an awareness of what the intention was. Yeah. And she's, she is very generous with with Barry and you know of course he comes like here's popcorn shrimp for the lady like <laughs> he's so awkward at, and he knows that yeah. he did something wrong um whereas Brendan does not yeah. you know Brendan kind of resents that he's being told he did something wrong not necessarily and I don't think he's resentful when it comes to the Chloe thing later but when he says the R word in the thing he, he keeps saying it because he's like He's the kind of who's like, no, you're all being too sensitive, you know? And we see him have that attitude several times. Um, but I think that's interesting, like, when you talk about intention, that, you know, I, I do think the show, I don't think it makes a statement about it, but I think it takes up the question of, of, uh, of whether intention does matter, you yeah. know? yeah. Um, but no, I, I didn't put that together that those happened run after the other. That's really interesting. Yeah. I literally was like, Oh, take a note. Like yeah. those two scenes, literally one right after the other, I thought was so important. Yeah. And I also, I mean, like one of the things I love about the Margot storyline, because I get intention again, kind of comes back in this, that, you know, she, she starts this flirtation with Curtis and uh, you know, like I like that Margot is a very imperfect character because like 
as far as ethics goes of her being the teacher for these yeah. people like that's out the window and she's like let's go to a bar for class yeah. with this 19 year old who can't legally drink but <laughs> lucky for us the owner of the bar is one of the students so he'll just pump this kid full of liquor it'll be fine yeah um and then like oh let maybe i'll date my student um but he is an adult student so yeah she's got that going for her but um you know that that she misreads or not misreads but she her experience informs her reading of her asking curtis out and him expressing even the slightest like i have to check my schedule which is like a normal thing but 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 she reads it as he's making he's already making excuses to not go out with a trans woman yeah um i i I love that you know and i and i love that she is aware of that you know she's like maybe i maybe i read it wrong yeah um and then how wonderful that she did read it wrong and he's like no i'm here like i want to date you yeah i drove two hours to brooklyn like on a wednesday night and then like for a lit mag launch party which is not a thing that has ever happened just a made-up thing with signature drinks right you had to get him to the city somehow yeah that, that's where all the things happen it is where Step outside of your, your comfort zones come, come see the twinkling lights feel the energy of of NYC. dumbo yeah dumbo come to this lit mag party <laughs> oh my god where, because that's where Eve meets her little, her John. Yeah. Honestly, like, I'm mad that someone knocks on the door when she's, like, hooking up with that guy in the bathroom, because I feel like that should have been the hookup right there. They had just, uh, right. if they had only been able to just bring it to fruition and quick have fuck in the, bathroom. in the bathroom, quick fuck against the door, like, that's what it should have been. It's only when it, like, they go back to his place and then it just, like, deflates and, you know. Well, and because and, that's also clearly kind of part of what she's craving is something truly spontaneous that doesn't yeah. really feel planned. Yeah. And that's part of like, you know, like the threesome that ends up happening. I don't quite know. I don't know. Yeah, let's go back to Amanda. Let's talk about Amanda. How cool is Amanda's move, first of all, where... Amanda's like, so fucking sexy. She's so sexy and she's so smart. And and how cool is her move where she's like, we need more liquor. And Eve's like, no, we really don't. We No, we need more liquor. I'm this party needs Julian. tequila. Yeah, I'm going to take Julian, like knowing that that will cause the rest of the people in the room to slowly be like, oh, there's less people here. Maybe it's time for us to leave. It seems like it's winding down. And then Amanda and Julian will enter at the 11th hour and the party will be cleared out like, this bitch knew she had a plan she executed that plan like what a cool move yeah well even like you know their their whole little moment earlier in the hot tub first of all she has the coolest vape pen of any human i've ever seen i want to find to be pushed yeah yeah that's a really cool vape pen that she has very sleek you know yeah but uh like when Eve comes over and she's like, want to get in a hot tub? She's like, I don't have one, but my neighbors do and they're not home, so. They didn't say I couldn't use it. Let's get in a hot tub. Yeah. And then like, you know, like I think that's like, Amanda is so, she's the conduit of all of this, you know, mm-hmm. because Amanda is the person who gives Eve 
full permission. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that is kind of where Eve's desire for her comes from, is this is someone who I'm sitting across from in a hot tub and I'm saying, I've been having these crazy fantasies. And she's not Casey Wilson, who's like, I don't even think she tells Casey Wilson about it. I don't think so. Um, and Amanda's just like, well, what are you going to do about them? You should do something about that. And then starts talking about her own experiences with fantasy and threesomes and like, you know. It really is opening a door for, yeah. for Eve. And that door is queerness. And it is. Like, and the, uh, the other door that Casey Wilson opens for her is like a date with a boring real estate guy. Always choose Amanda over a boring real estate guy. That's the lesson here. Sorry, Carl, I interrupted you. No, no, you didn't at all. Um, yeah, Amanda is like this like high priestess and the, the thing she's doing, there's like this added little, little sprinkling of like danger. Like, well, we know we shouldn't be using the hot tub, but yes, who's gonna, who's gonna find out who's gonna catch us? Like yes. once you start accessing those feelings, like, Cause it's not like a, it's not like a Nancy Botlin situation where you are told over and over and over again that she has always been this danger junkie, impulsive person who then spent like five years doing the, like, or not five, like 13 or 14 or however old Silas is. Um, she spent that chunk of her life being like perfect suburban mom and then Judah dies, and then she's, you know, he gets fridged, and she's allowed to have this rebirth as some as this, like, danger junkie that she's always been. Mm-hmm. Eve, it's like she had never been that person her entire life, mm. and now that emptiness, or not emptiness, but the, the space that is now created in her life, she gets to sample from each little part of yeah. life yeah and th- like the stuff that the stuff that amanda is offering has this like touch of danger which i just yeah love. and i think like it absolutely does and i think that's like the needle it threads so perfectly because for eve to be turned on there has to be a little bit of danger mm-hmm. but at the same time Amanda is also offering her so much safety. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's, I think it's such a fucking tightrope walk for that threesome to not be read as this like debauchery. Oh yeah. Excessive, like, no, it's the thing that needed to happen and it's beautiful. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing that is happening. This is fulfilling to all of these people. This is not here to be judged. And it's the culmination of, I think, this, the whole show's like what it's trying to say about sexuality, where it's like, we are going to show you graphic stuff. We're showing you pornography. And we're trying to create a space where you're not going to judge it. Mm-hmm. And Amanda is so much the embodiment of like, I am not here to have a value judgment on your fantasy. Um, 
it's clear that I'm a part of that fantasy because you just decided to make out with me in the middle of my home. Um, but it, like she's so is, um, is so immediately tapped into, okay, this is a woman who is feeling extreme desire that she can't quite place and she, she feels so much shame about it. I'm going to step in and be the person who says, you don't need to feel shame about this at all. This is normal. This is natural. I'm going to take your, like, it's clear that you're trying to fuck this 19 year old. So we're going to go for our sexy liquor run. I'm going to flirt with him so that he and I want to fuck too. And then I'm going to come back and we're all going to have a great time. And then that scene is so, it's so truly erotic. Like it's filmed in such a way that's like truly like the, the meaning of like arrows. Like it's like this perfect, like, I mean, it's, it, it sounds dumb to say, but it's shot in the same way that you would shoot a love scene between two people, which I feel like yep. is not a way that you would often shoot a threesome, which is no. raunchy and bacchanalian. It's just like this. Made for the male gaze. Made for the male gaze. And instead this is like hot as hell, but beautiful. And it's like this joyful, like limbs and bodies and pleasure and joy. Yep. Joyful. Like that was the, That's like, the, the word. word that's the word. Like after I watched it the first time, I was like, that was maybe the most joyful love scene I've ever seen on screen. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. It takes yeah. time and it's so respectful of each person. And I loved the fact that you don't see, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's no like moment of like penetration, like rhythmic pounding. It's like, Owen Teague serving Eve. Eve serving Amanda. Amanda. Eve like riding Owen Teague, but it's not. Yeah. Right. Like, let me be like, lean back on me while he does whatever to you. Mm -hmm. You do whatever to me while he like holds up. Like it it was so respectful. And like, it was just, it was so. It's all about care. It was warm and beautiful. Yeah. It was caring. Yeah. And even though we don't see the, like, in kind of stark contrast to Brendan and Chloe's situation, like, even though we don't, it's not that you need words, because even though we don't see the words in the threesome, it's so clear that every single person in that triad is is connected and clued in and reading the signals mm-hmm. and giving and taking and, mm-hmm. and present. Yeah, and so present. it's not, you know, and that's exactly what's, you know, not there when... Right. Brendan just forgets Chloe exists. Right. The disembodied mouth on his penis. God. Yeah. And then like, and I'm also like, to take us back kind of toward the beginning of the show, like I'm kind of so fascinated by the girl. (laughs) The the girl who rolls up the morning of him driving off to college. He's like, let me get let me get some D real quick before he scoots on up to college. It's got to be what eight a.m. and she's showing up in full face, full, full face, look, face beat, full look on the bike, all because he sent her the dick pic. And I and yes, that is so baffling. And it's so like, girl, what? Like you told him off the night before. Like, but at the same time, like this is how that girl grows up and becomes Eve and has all this like weird shame about her own desire. Like 
there it is. Because yeah. from the time you're a teenage girl, you're taught that your needs literally don't matter. And a man can treat you like shit for an entire summer. And then she goes over there and they don't even have sex. Like she doesn't even get anything from it. It's like, she just like serves this man. Like, you know, and I can't wait. She blows him. She blows him. Yeah. And like, that can be hot. Like, you know, in the right context, I'm not saying like, sure. Oh, if you're giving oral sex, you know, you're automatically being degraded. It's not that, but it's like, there's no sense of prioritizing her pleasure, her agency, her desires. And it's not like, oh, that's high school. And then he goes to college and he meets Chloe and it's different because there's still Max at college that he has like this very raunchy, like porn style sex with and everything. She's like, both of them, it's like this performance where neither one of them is clued into the other one. It's like, oh yeah, you like my cock. Yeah. Give it to me, daddy. You know, it's like this whole construct. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is so on point. That is like so deliciously on point. Yeah. Thank you, Carl. God. No, it's, yeah, you you just sort of see in Brendan's world, like how, how, and Eve's, yeah, they've been lied to the whole time. The, and, and this poor girl sort of like is being lied to too, but she's also part of the lie. Like she's mm-hmm. validating his horrible relationship with sexual activity. And it was, Kate and I were talking about this. She, when when they're at the party, he like, he like tries to get her to stop and like goes for her arm. And she jerks it back in such a way that I was like, did he rape her? Did he like attack her before? Like there's some, there must be like another level to this thing. Um, And then after seeing the, part where she goes to see him the next morning, I think that there's, that's probably not the case, but it was sharp enough of a turn that I was like, oh, oh, what did he do? But yeah. I, like, I, I think that's very valid because I think part of it is like, he probably did the same thing to her that he then does to Chloe. Of course. And Chloe is just, you know, like woke enough. Right. Chloe has enough agency like, as a human to be like, that was not acceptable. Yeah. Whereas that poor girl probably didn't yeah and she knows like in herself that that wasn't great and so she doesn't feel safe around him but she's still but it's not enough for her to stop following that script yeah because he sent her a text that said wish you were here with a dick pic right she's like oh and that's he misses me right and he'd rather him go off to college with this other view of her than her <gasps> yelling at him at a party she'd rather rather fulfill his like little fantasy and and be seen in that way yeah it's the cool girl monologue from gone girl oh my god it's she's she's game (laughs) she eats burgers and hot dogs and is a size zero and never nags never yells that is so true i didn't even think about that but Yes, like the fact that he's about to go off to college and, ew, like I don't want his last memory of me to be like yelling at him at a party. eh? Like I want to be like game. I want to be cool. I want to be the girl who like blew him like right before he left. Right. And like how much of that is like that's, this is kind of like the only way I can not be like the hurt or like the injured party. Mm -hmm. And like forever be thinking about him as like the one that used me like... I'm going to go kind of like use him and then it's 
sort of on my terms. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't really know if that was her intention or not, but like, you know. Well, I mean, you see that in cases where like someone is sexually assaulted and they sleep with the person on mm -hmm. other occasions after the fact and people are like, oh, but if they really raped you, like, why did you have sex with them again? And it's like, because things are really complicated and sometimes that's a way to take back your agency and say like, that wasn't what I thought it was. That was just a weird night and mm -hmm. no, it's actually good. And you know. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So Chloe. <laughs> oh boy. Wow. Yeah. I yeah, Chloe is complicated because and we've kind of already hit on this where it's like and I, 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 I'm trying to phrase this as carefully as I possibly can, because again, it's a case of like multiple things being true at the same time, mm -hmm. where she is not at fault at all for what happens uh, and for, for being so suddenly dehumanized. Oh, yeah. No. Um, but that also... That is true, but then there is also me being like, I don't understand a world where this girl who is this self-aware and this aware-aware, you know, and, and, and I do think this is this is kind of a flaw in the way Brendan is written, and I think Jackson White gives a great performance, but um, but the fact that his vulnerability is only seen with the father, you know, so like that's the only like glimpse Chloe we get sees this like sensitive side of him exactly there's no interaction between him and chloe where i understand the moment where she's like he's different but could it be that she just thinks he's hot uh, i guess that doesn't like, really track so much with the fact that she's not trying to sleep because i feel like i would buy it if she was like i don't give a shit about like if he's basic I just exactly like, if that was like a one-night hookup yeah I completely get it. That to me, woke girls. Yeah, you have like for a sure. night, and you're like, right. And like that to me, f completely lines up with a friend. Like you like like basic white boys with pink dicks. Like yeah. for sure, she'll chew them up and spit them out. God bless. But the fact that she is like committed to seeing him through his potential in some way, yeah, or is like. I'm not sure what this is yet. I'm like, girl, yes, you do. Girl, you know what this is. You know exactly what this is. Nothing. This dude came into a safe space and is spouting the R word, which your whole group says is a slur. And you're still coming out here being like, he's different. No, he's not. He's exactly who you knew he was. Yeah. Nothing he does changes that first impression. But you know? you're also really dumb when you're 18. Exactly. And that's also like, true where she's like, Davis maybe. Jones is also like in her 30s. So like, it's easy to forget that she's. Wait, playing, is she like, really? I mean, I think she's like. I mean, she's got to be old enough for her to, for it to been chill for her to like be fucking Lin-Manuel. Uh, yeah, but they don't even do anything. No, they don't. In but Hamilton. he blames her for it. Yeah. Oh, you should Wait, not. what? In Hamilton. That whole song is like, I couldn't say no. Oh, oh. Oh, I thought you meant that Lynn blamed Jasmine Cephas Jones for the fact that the blocking in that song is like super boring and not sexy. Because I was always like, oh, that's Lynn's wife. Um, <laughs> uh, she is 31. Wow. 
So she actually like looks passable to me as the yeah. 18 year old she was playing. Yeah, definitely. No kidding. But I feel like, yeah, it's important. Like I completely agree with everything you're saying. I also like, no, but I, I hear what you're saying that like being 18, 19, which we all once were. And Julia, you and I were 18 and 19 in the same place together. Yes, so, we knew each other at 18 and 19. We truly so we, knew how dumb we were. It's true. Like, we, we have firsthand accounts of each other's dumbness at 18, 19. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 20 and 21 in my case. Um, but, yeah, you do, you do really hold out hope that they're going to be different, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, you really, really do. And I think that goes a lot farther than, like, us at almost 30 like want to account for yeah carl did you date anyone regrettable at 19 god i didn't i didn't really date until i mean everything kind of was so delayed because i was still i was at community college like the first two years of college and i was still like in ontario county and Mm. there was one gay guy who asked me on a date and it was just like awful and <laughs> straight dudes kissing me at parties. Cause they were like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just like insane. Yeah. Um, They're like, you're not a human. You just represent something. Right. I, I, I was that, to like, kiss missing link and I was there to fucking guide them to their next girlfriend slash wife. Um, which is really great. Oh, literally like engaged to like, a year to the day, after. Like, like, like more than five times did this happen. Um, patterns and signs. Um, but yeah, it is, you know, there, there is something sort of missing in the, in the Chloe Brendan part of this story. And I don't know if it's just because like, the Eve Roy stuff, the Eve Amanda stuff, the Eve Owen Teague stuff is so much more fucking interesting. So fleshed out. Completely. Yeah. And just like, like literal hearts on display. Mm-hmm. And then you see the Brendan Chloe stuff and it's sort of, it's so, it's so forced. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just because of what the story actually is, where it's like, you know, woke girl falls for basic guy and mm. the guy disappoints her. Yeah. Like, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, right, and it's like, the guy disappoints her in exactly the way we knew and she knew he yeah. would disappoint her. Yeah. Right. And like, th- there is something girl, to be said for that. you brought him to a queer party and didn't tell him. <laughs> Which, we were talking about that and I fully thought she was going to carry him. Like, pig's blood at the prom. I thought she could <gasps> carry him. Like, Honestly, that might have made more sense than her taking him to... Everyone yeah. in between, this cis white male, and just, like, read him for filth and just have him be there in his underwear, like, the worst nightmare of his life. Like, yeah. all the queer and brown people screaming at him. Yeah. I just, I mean, that would have been fine, but it didn't I mean, happen. maybe she was like encouraged by the fact that she brought him to this party. She didn't tell him about it in advance. And then he like didn't hate crime anyone. <laughs> he didn't like, hate crime oh anyone. Oh my God. Like, he is amazing. Like, yeah. He is woke. Like, he didn't even kill a queer person, like, at yeah. this party. <laughs> 
Like, I kind of feel like maybe, I don't know. But I also think that that party kind of, like, that whole scene kind of, like, reveals that she's a little bit full of shit because there's Mm -hmm. that moment where they're on the couch and they're both, like, clearly kind of basking in, like, we are both, like, extremely, like, generically hot people judging everyone else in this room yeah, like, that kind of sucks. Girl yeah, that moment does suck. In her like glittery thing, and we're both gonna laugh at her for trying too hard. Yeah, that like, moment sucks. You can't judge people at an underwear party. Like that's not what no, this is. I'm like that moment sucks, but it's like okay, I kind of get this more because like now I see that like Chloe kind of sucks too. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's the link that we're missing. Is like it's yeah. not that we're not seeing something amazing about Brendan, but that we're not seeing something basic about chloe yeah it would not at all surprise me if chloe had been just that like regina george and she was a total bitch that her allyship is like super performative and then during the summer and all of her friends started to like dwindle away and she went on the internet and found some hot takes about feminism and you know equality and wokeness and then was like, well, yes, and I feel like school. she's a sophomore. Oh, she totally for has sure. A year older than him, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like she had the example. year there to like get woke, and now yeah. is like, we're writing fan fiction now. So. <laughs> we're writing season two, is what we're writing. Yeah. So you know, you have like the Chloe and Brendan of it all. And I think part of like what we're responding to is that that storyline feels not necessarily cliche, but like verges toward educational mm. and after school special E. I do think it is more nuanced than that, but it's still, you know, we're watching Brendan attempt to learn a lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of just necessarily lacks the nuance and the queerness and the messiness of, of what Eve goes through. And like part of what I love about this miniseries is that it is messy feminism. And that's my favorite kind that like. I love mess. <laughs> I love mess. And that as much as Eve's sexual experience at the end with Amanda and Julian is so liberating and so tender and so caring and joyful and all of these things, you know, her, her more like base desires that are channeled through her porn selections are also not judged, you know, and that kind of gets into the messy territory of like, um, about those kinds of fantasies that like is a woman who has a degradation fantasy uh is that valid is her asserting that fantasy is her asking for that that desire to be fulfilled is that just a warped misogyny within herself or is that is that it's can that be liberating can that be um you know, if the desire is to not have, if, if she is using her agency to express her desire to be deprived of agency, what does that mean? You know? 
Yeah. Uh, and I think it, it doesn't quite, quite go there, but the type of porn she watches um, kind of, kind of treads that, that line. And I'm, I'm very fascinated by those kinds of conversations. Um, well, yeah, I mean, we like, we touched on, you know, Andrea Dworkin in like a very yeah. jokey way earlier, but I feel like this is now wading into territory that's like, very complex, very fraught. I mean, talk about discourse right. with a capital D, you know. Like, right. Like this, like is all porn a lot of the show and evil. Exactly. And like a lot of this show is about a woman watching a ton of porn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. and the and feminism maybe, and maybe, of witnessing a woman watching a ton of porn, you know? Right. And and maybe it's possible that, you know. Like, I feel like Eve watches the same porn that probably Brendan watches because Eve watches a lot of porn and a variety of different kinds of porn, but she's able to watch that porn and filter it into like real life. Mm -hmm. Whereas Brendan, I mean, his like frontal lobe isn't even formed yet. He's 18, watches the very same images and then can't filter it into like real life and empathy and compassion and like care. So... What do you think about that whole sequence? I can't remember what episode it's in, but I think it's the beginning sequence of like episode three, maybe where you're watching the beginnings of this particular type of porn, where it's these women talking to the camera guy before they get undressed, before anyone else Mm. enters the scene, describing what they want to have done with them to them. Yeah. And you have like it, it, it is just middle-aged women articulating their wildest fantasies. And you have the one woman who is like, oh, I have a huge gangbang fantasy, you know, like, um, and things like that, where she's like, I want to <coughs> be in a threesome. I want to be in a gangbang, like all these things. Um, and then you, you have the fantasy of Eve putting herself in that position and talking to the camera guy about what she wants. And she can't, she doesn't know. You know, that's right. Um, but I thought that was so fascinating because that's actual porn, you know, and I think that like including that type of porn, uh, I think goes a long way in differentiating Eve's experience with it versus Brendan's experience sure, with it yeah. and complicating the audience's preconceived judgments of of people who consume porn because it's seen as like the lowest common denominator. It is inherently misogynistic. It is inherently degrading to anyone who, who participates in it. And like, you know, you have like, there's massive, massive problems in, in the porn industry and how it treats, treats the sex workers involved in it. Like that's kind of a separate thing, but like the concept of pornography, does it inherently make people violent? Does it inherently warp someone's ability to have, meaningful consensual sex well it's so interesting that like if you look at the average porn site not that i ever have i've never watched porn actually everyone here has watched porn yeah um i'm totally kidding Uh, i know you are but i just want to like let's rip off that band-aid yeah yeah yeah. we're adults who've watched pornography we're all adults who watch pornography when you go to the average porn site if you go to like female porn like woman-centered porn oh this is porn for ladies, this is yeah. like the pink Bic pan, pen of pornography. 
And it, it almost always is like, it's not that the, the sex acts are different. I mean, maybe there's like less, you know, like put your fist in my mouth until I cry. But like, there's like, generally the difference is that there's like maybe a plot line, you know, mm-hmm. maybe like some words being spoken. Like there's a little bit of a backstory before sure. you get to like pound town. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, and so I think that's interesting that like Eve kind of, stumbles upon and comes into this this um like segment of pornography that yeah has like these women talking because I feel like for her like yes she obviously like is into the erotic images and sometimes she's just watching like the scene where she has like the 10 windows open of like all these different porn videos and she's like trying to exit out like obviously she loves the images but I I think that part of her is so stimulated like intellectually by that like quote-unquote like female porn where like there's right. a backstory and it's so compelling right. that there's these women who are like yes you know well and we don't see thing. any of the sex acts when we watch oh, that you know God. like and i think that's like so kind of a turn on for her for sure yeah that part of part of the fantasy is born out of like just watching these women literally just describe what they want done to them yeah you know and that being this really empowering thing and eve never really gets there like eve never really gets to a point even with amanda and julian it's not like you're at that party and she is like all right it's just the three of us now you're both gonna fuck me you're both gonna fuck me that's what i mean when i say like amanda is the conduit because amanda can kind of like read the runes and like interpret the smoke signals that eve is yeah. sending of like she like reads the, the tea leaves and is like eve that's what i mean fuck her eve yeah. wants us all to fuck her like eve just wants to be fucked yeah well that is well, that's like so kind of the project of it is like kate i'm using your word um is i stole it from someone else i don't remember who literally that the goal should be to read those cues Roy has lost that ability. Mm. Um, Brendan never had it, and Eve right. is learning it. And yes. she's learning how to get her signals read. Yeah. Like, and Amanda, like you said, like, she's she's that perfect conduit. She's that perfect, like, high priestess who's going to be like, uh-huh. She's queer. Priest. She knows how to communicate. Words, yeah, so that unspoken thing, and you you learn to say like, okay, that was a yes, that's a yes, like yeah, forth. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Amanda knows how to create an environment that is like deeply erotic and deeply sensual. That is entirely about affirmation, you know. And Owen almost strays and goes to that whole like, so what are you wearing thing, and he he doesn't wear that well and he almost like immediately knows it after he sends that text and right. she's like she's like huh let me try and like take a sexy selfie and then he's she's just like go to bed julian yeah you know what i mean like well because that's the thing like he because he says in that bar scene he's like i'm not good at talking to women like i don't know how to initiate things and he's so clumsy about it and like i think amanda kind of sees like okay these are these two are helpless he's lost helpless. little children yeah yeah. Oh man. I'm so in love with Owen Teague in this. I'm I'm so infatuated with him. He's uh, lovely. He's so lovely. He's so like 
oh, just that like guy who, you know, like listens to like the Smiths and like, is just like, you know, just cool. Like just gets it, but is also like a little insecure. Yeah. And he's just so cute. And he has really nice hands. He's so yeah. lanky. That hair. Mm-hmm. I'm just so happy for everyone involved. Right. And you know what? He's 19 and he goes down on her like a champ. He yeah. really does. And he's also reading the cues. He's like looking up at her as he's doing it to like he's make very sure she's attentive. enjoying herself. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And Amanda's like, yes, she likes that. And she's like, yes, I like that. And he goes, she likes it. And yep. we all like it. And as an audience, we like it. Yeah. Yes, we as an audience are like, I too like it. Yeah. One thing I, I guess I'd have to go back and look, like, do Amanda and Julian have any moment of just the two of them? Or is it both of them? They definitely kiss. Yeah. Like, they, there's making out. Yes. But yes. I don't think we ever see, like, penetration between the two of them yeah because she's seen as like kind of strictly you know queer bisexual but seems what we learned of her seems to have a a strong preference for women oh my god i laughed so hard that moment in the hot tub where eve is asking her about her three her past with threesomes and she's like oh it was you know it was it was three. Oh, women. and she's like, it was, was my it? ex and her ex. So, and I'm yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> I can't count. Like, I cannot it? count on my fingers the people I know who have had been a, like, that is queer woman culture. To that, the yeah. Of the tea. Everyone's so ex was it is everyone else's ex. Two men. Or wait, was it one man? <laughs> wait. <laughs> she's like, it was me and two women. Right. My ex and her ex. Damn. Amanda really is, like, such a great, like, the high priestess. Yeah, I love that. She lives. And I love, and I love, um, I love the party. I love the party that, that Eve throws and and is kind of facilitated by Amanda Mm -hmm. for her new self and her new name. And I think that's super poignant and I and I love like I feel like Margot has a moment in that scene about names yeah and and welcoming yourself back to yourself and I think that's really lovely and beautiful and it's kind of like this meeting of like normies and kind of like not normies (laughs) like interesting queer people yeah yeah I love that it, it the whole thing is Mrs. Fletcher and then it's when she sheds that, that's when she's actually herself. Like, yeah. Mackie. Eve so- Mackie. Eve Mackie. Yeah, oh, I yeah. love that that finale is called Welcome Back. Yeah. So brilliant. My, I loved the, um, the juxtaposition of her sitting on the stoop when Blowjob Girl comes over and in the first episode and then him sitting on the stoop like she the the girl passes her like on the same side oh, as him wow. and, like oh, amanda walks by and then owen teague walks by julian mm. i don't know why i have such a problem calling him by his character's name but that's um, fine i never picked up on that and then wow. she out, and he doesn't even he doesn't turn around and look at her but he like looks slightly in that direction like almost like 
oh my god, who else is in there? Yeah. And like clearly he can see like out of the corner of his eye, it's like her in her bathrobe and she just comes out. And I I genuinely want to say she doesn't sit down. I feel like I, I feel like she's still standing when the camera goes away from them. I agree. I don't remember her sitting. Which is yeah. such a cool picture that she is now the one who is on her own two feet and he's he has to sit there and he's the one waiting for her to finish fucking yeah to get hers yeah you can wait outside now because i did that (laughs) let me wrap up my threesome real quick and you can sit outside because you entered here uninvited (laughs) uninvited you didn't knock and this is my house (laughs) this is my house i don't know if you forgot but i am allowed to fuck your 19 year old classmate in my house if i want to i I can do that. But this is kind of maybe what you were talking about earlier, Kate, where you kind of did feel like there was a punishment like aspect in the very end. Like I, I do hate, and I've hated it every time I've watched it, that Amanda and Julian, and I get it from Julian, but Amanda too, like when they leave and they walk past Brendan, they, they kind of have like their tails between their legs. Yes. And I hate it every time I watch it. And I don't yeah. know that it's a problem with the show or if it's just, you know, I hate it because we've just coming off like we've just come off this high of this like incredibly joyful like moment and everyone's yeah. good and laying in bed yeah. and the glow. Yeah. And then I I yeah, it always bothers me that Amanda and and Julian kind of like hop down the steps yeah. and like run away. Yeah. And I guess like I don't maybe punishing is too strong a word, but I think it is at least a reality check that the reality she's built and the fantasy she's built that allows what she just experienced to be joyful and find like the safety she feels in that experience, which she should feel, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's a beautiful thing that that is, that is ruptured and is, and it's the reminder of like, he's, if he is sort of like the stand in for the generic male gaze he finds that sex act. I mean, if we want to really want to get into like the fucking academic bullshit of the male gaze, like the fact that it's his mother is no accident, you know? Yeah. Watching his mother engage in a queer polyamorous sex act is a fate worse than death to him. And that kid yeah, is going to be thing fucked up for the rest on. of his life. Like yeah. that is absolute horror and I do kind of feel like maybe that's part of the statement the show is making that like this is still how we perceive queerness this is still how we perceive women feeling sexually fulfilled you know like that it is still subject to this male gaze and this male gaze will always find that deviant wrong grotesque monstrous whatever um and I, I don't like that that's the note the show ends on. I don't think the show is endorsing that belief at all. Yeah. But it just deflates me from being in that high with them. Yes. I feel deflated every time I see Amanda, like, clip-clop down the stairs. Yeah. Like, hugging her coat to herself and, like, frowning. Right. Like... right. I almost feel like she would be the kind of person who would, like, be overly polite in that moment. Like how I feel like society forces women to be. Like she would just be like, hi, and like leave. Yeah, um, yeah like I almost yeah. wish there was a, like something or, you know, she just takes her time and is like, 
I'm here. But I think also what she's responding to is less like tiptoeing around Brendan's feelings and more like out of respect to Eve, who's clearly like having a break. Yeah. Which you see like when they're, you know, putting their clothes on and Eve is just at the end of the bed. Yeah. I, I, I think Amanda understands what has just happened is going to irreparably probably damage or certainly have a permanent impact on your relationship with your son. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think she has a lot of complicated guilt about that in the moment or, and, and sadness of like, Oh, I've just given you, and I've just participated in something so beautiful. And this fucking guy comes in and ruins it. Like these fucking guys always do, you know? Um, yeah, and you 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 are just kind of left disappointed that Julian's not like, I just fucked your mom. Yeah, but the it's, hey hey exchange is very fraught as oh, well. Oh, very very I, much I so. Like that. Yeah. Do we think there will be a season two? Do we know? Do we know I know they want there. Like Catherine Hahn is like I I hope there is. Yeah. I think there's certainly places to go. I just kind of want. I want the show to continue because I think the show is saying like so many important things about, about sex and how we, we need to get over our language of shame about sex mm-hmm. and about queerness and about what we fantasies and um, desire that we, that we consider deviant. Yeah. I'm, I think there's a fine line of when it's used for shock value and when it's used to to tell us something about how power works in the world, how gender works, um, and and how we need to become more comfortable with it because we need to stop making women feel like monsters for wanting for wanting whatever they want. Yeah. And while we're kind of talking about this, this is interesting because something that I had I had wondered if we were going to discuss was. Um, since we're talking about like actors and, and mm-hmm. writing and mm-hmm. sex, um, the the intimacy coordinator that they had for Mrs. Fletcher. Oh, I didn't um, look into this, it do- but it doesn't surprise me at all that they had one. Yeah, I remember reading about this like at the time, maybe even before I watched the show. I think once again, probably my Google alert for Catherine Hahn went off, <laughs> and I read this you know interview with her where she was talking about how um, they had an intimacy coordinator on set and they the way they filmed all of the scene every every sex scenes whether that was the threesome two people or solo sex um was filmed with like so much care closed set intimacy coordinator working with them to choreograph something you know they talked specifically i remember in this article i read they talked specifically about the threesome at the end how this intimacy coordinator like they choreographed it like worked with them to create something that felt like dancing Mm. um and was just like three people totally in tune. And the way they made the actors feel on set was really safe. Like Catherine Hahn, anytime she had a scene where she's like masturbating, it would be like her, the director, one camera. Like it was not, yeah. you know, a million people standing around. Um, I think I could be wrong. I'll have to double check on this, but I think the intimacy coordinator who worked on Mrs. Fletcher also did slave play, which has graphic, graphic on stage sex and i hope that that is i hope and i think that that is like the future of Mm -hmm. 
theater and film, you know, because that's mm-hmm. such an important, I was talking, I was actually, I was talking about it with Steve cause we were watching that. And I, and I said the same thing. I said like, um, you know, they had an intimacy coordinator, they choreographed it. I think it was the same person who did slave play, which we saw together. And he was like, yeah, I mean, I'm like, he's not a theater person, but you know, he, he appreciates it, but he was like, it's weird to me that it's like not a thing that is on every production. And I was like, well, it's not like it's like this crazy idea. I mean, Kate was doing that with us in college, like holding like closed rehearsals for love scenes and working with us on getting comfortable and making it like a Mm -hmm. very safe experience. But I I do like to see that it's definitely becoming more mainstream Mm -hmm. um, to have people on set because the article that I read about it, like Owen Teague was also talking in it about like how it just makes such a difference as an actor, like to feel safe in those moments and feel like you're being held up by someone and your boundaries are not going to be like at the 11th hour crossed. Yeah. So kudos to Mrs. Fletcher. Kudos to Mrs. Fletcher. I think it's like, to me, like Transparent was a very important show to me. And I think Transparent laid a lot of ground for presenting sexuality, queerness, all of these things in a really frank, but not trying to be shocking kind of way. And to me, there's like a lot of shared DNA between Transparent and Mrs. Fletcher totally. in terms of at least of how it presents sexuality. Um, I don't know. I just really like it. And I really like, I hope there's a season two. It doesn't seem like there will be, but I just hope, I hope that we get more media like this. I hope that there's more. And and I think there is, I mean, like, I think there's other things that are, that are coming out that, that deal with this in this kind of way, but like, I don't know. It's, and, and Catherine Hahn, Catherine Hahn tends to be at the center of those of those pieces. Like I'm thinking of also like I Love Dick is another great kind of meditation mm. on this on this type of stuff about a woman who fulfilling fantasy starring Catherine Hahn. Um, I'm happy what? I'm happy for any piece of drama that involves Catherine Hahn having a soulful beautiful sexual experience that we can all learn something from mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what's the movie that she did with um i feel like it was paul giamatti and private were, life private life i loved that and i thought that was like really yeah. slept on yeah it's great we actually talked about that in the romanoffs episode too because her her episode of the romanoffs is actually very similar to private life she's in the romanoffs yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I will Please. have to break my rule and watch the other Romanoff miniseries. But the now. thing is, they're all they're all self contained, so you can oh. just watch that one and never watch another one. Wow, great, done. Yeah. So, do we have any more final thoughts about Mrs. Fletcher before we bring it home here? I did kind of want to talk about the one thing, and I, I, I don't want to take up too much time. Please. But the, um, Carl, we have, we have monopolized this entire conversation. I'm sorry no, that- No. Oh my God, no. I have just been listening and soaking it all up. I, I'm just, I'm the sponge. Um, 
Brendan's um, inability to get hard in that scene mm. is so striking to me because yeah. it is so, it, it's, uh, how the hell do I phrase this? When you truly like someone, that is a thing that happens sometimes. Like, mm. I mean, not to get mm -hmm. too, too personal, but like, if I am in love with someone, I can't think about them when I masturbate. Like, if I if I really like, if I have a crush on you, I, it, you cannot enter that realm. And I don't know if that is part of this sort of like, conditioning and objectifying you're actually he's actually seeing her as a person so he is unable to get hard and that it is only when she offers to get him hard with her mouth and he loses the person her personhood and objectifies her that's when he's able to do it and mm. that just like that like went through me i was like holy shit um, I thought that that was, that was really, really interesting that they put that in there. And I, again, I would like to read it in the book, especially because it's first person in his chapters. Yeah. I want to see if that's covered and how they, um, how they work with that. I think that would be very interesting. Yeah. I, I had the same exact thought and on the second rewatch of it, I think the first time I, I kind of breezed past that moment of like the, cause it's kind of one of those blink if you miss it and then you miss right. it things of like, totally. hand in the pants, oh, sorry, oh, right. here, let me. And then, yeah, and this, and then sec watching it a second time, I was like, oh my God, he's probably never had sex with someone that he liked mm -hmm. or knew or saw as a yeah. person. I mean, this is probably the first time. 100%. Yeah. And then you're right that when, when he kind of loses her personhood and she's like down here and he doesn't have to like look at her face. Yeesh. Mm. Yeah. It's, I thought that was, I thought that was wild. I thought that that was very, um, that was very striking. Yeah. 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 Mm. It's also interesting now that I think about it, that we never see Brendan ever having sex, like penetrative sex like we only ever see him receiving oral no there's there's a cutaway to him oh well, like, you're right you're right no no, no. the shit out of that's the right girl from the whack and jack that's right the girl from whack and jack yeah when he's like, <laughs> why was it called like, whack and jack when a kiss is not just a kiss it's dance it's the jack when a kiss yeah when a kiss oh is not just a kiss whack and jack whack and jack wow. Oh, that was the that was the freshman orientation uh, little skit that Julia and I witnessed as freshmen. Well, friends, we've made it a long way with Mrs. Fletcher. It will be interesting if they die if they pick it up again. But I just feel like all signs point to it not doing a damn thing. I yeah. feel like we are three of the ten people who watched it, so. Mm -hmm. Probably not getting this. One third of the audience is right here. <laughs> yes. The other part of the audience, uh, I meant to give her a shout out at the beginning of this. Oh, yeah. But, um, 
as as you all may know, our listeners, um, in the in between when we record and release episodes, when when our future episodes are a mystery, uh, Carl will will put out his wonderful mystery guessing collage to give us hints of what the episode will be. And I really loved this one. I was very curious what you'd put together. And I our, really our contest, it. our contest winner. Our contest <laughs> winner is uh, dear dear friend of the pod, Jill Brewer, who who was also one of the advocates to get me to watch this show. Um, Jill. Jill, thank you for guessing this correctly. I knew it would be you. And um, yeah, I mean... Thank you for being the other person who has seen Mrs. Fletcher. Final one. <laughs> Final one. I'm sure they appreciate it. Yeah. And yeah. they got, you know, the views from our rewatches, so. For sure. You're welcome, HBO. But listen, I mean, if, if this sounds up your street, like, it's an incredible Katherine Hahn performance. Mm. Very undervalued. Uh, and just really truly probably the most like nuanced exploration of like desire and sex that i've that i've seen on scene on screen and and a a couple years watch it took i mean quick watch it's like three and a half hours if you oh yeah it could have been a movie yeah yeah Yeah. i couldn't believe when i was watching it the other day i was like oh it's over yeah yeah. yeah, it's a quick binge, uh, and it's it's worth your time. Great writing, great music. Yeah. Um, oh god. Well, that was the funniest part. Is I was like, oh my god, the music in this episode is unbelievable. Directed by Carrie Brownstein, and I went, oh, okay. That uh, yeah. Makes a mm-hmm. lot of sense. Yep. So that was very yeah. fun for me. <laughs> yeah. No, she's great. And I, I, I liked seeing her directing. I know um, she's got a, a film coming out. Again, X's of X's. Uh, she made a mock, like kind of like a narrative. God, what is it? It's like a Russian doll meta thing between her and St. Vincent, Annie Clark, who is her ex-girlfriend. Um, oh, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a narrative film about Carrie Brownstein making a documentary about St. Vincent. Oh my God. Oh my God. So, so unpack that. All I know is that there was a still that was released that somebody screen grabbed at like a a drive-in theater, drive-in screening from I think Toronto um, of Dakota Johnson and Annie Clark in bed and lingerie together. And I, my brain exploded. So I'm going to die after I see it. I didn't know you were talking to us from the afterlife this is like literally you from beyond the grave doing a podcast yeah once that once that movie comes out and i witness that scene i will uh i will astral project i will transcend to the next plane yeah Um, i i i genuinely don't know what i would do without my smart friends because i like i still get my news via homing pigeon like i don't I don't interact with the culture at all until I get into these like modes of like conversation and Kate tells me something cool to watch or to look out for. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's Are you on Twitter, so- Carl? I'm on it, but I never check it. It's like, 
I'm, I'm forcing myself to use it because of this podcast. Yeah. Um, same thing with like Instagram. Like I'm really not super active on it, but I'm like trying to be. Um, and this sort of came up because Kate and I were both like, this is the, this is the art form that we both sort of like everything that we're interested in crosses. Um, mm. So, and all I do is sit at home and watch Mildred Pierce over and over and over again. So, so this is, this has been really fun, like actually like watching things, but I still can't do it when they're being, um, you know, released. In yeah, real yeah, time. yeah. It has to be like a, a year later. Mm-hmm. Once, yeah. I, once I figured no, out. No, I thought about like, do we dare do Ratchet? But then I was like, no, I'm going to need at least a year to process whatever that is before I can talk about it. I felt, I mean, the letdown, I'm so numb to it at this point with Ryan Murphy, but like that first episode was so good and I had such high hopes. I will say the cinematography, it, yeah. it's, it's speaking a very, um, uh, sophisticated film language that it stole from Kubrick and, you know, everyone else who is Mm -hmm. good at it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I can't, I can't give it any credit for being at all original. Yeah. Um, But that first episode I really did like, and the rest of it is just horrible. I mean, that's Ryan Murphy for you. Exactly. Speaking of Ryan Murphy, Carl. Oh my God, we get to, oh my God, that's so perfect. We get to- Shall you tell the listeners what our next episode's gonna be? Just in time for spooky season. So, we're gonna do a thing where each season we do, our like Halloween episode is going to be a a different season of American Horror Story. Oh, cool. And we're starting at the beginning and we're working our way through. You know what? Are we going to do them in order? (laughs) I think not because I think it's a little optimistic to imagine we will be doing this podcast for eight years. (laughs) I think we will. But honestly, but honestly, I feel like the seasons go in order of quality. So even if you did start at the beginning, you would hit like the most important. Right. Yes. For, the ne- for the next three years, we're like fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's but when yeah. I stopped watching after season three. I, mean, I made it into like a few episodes into Hotel and then I just, I gave up. And then I tried. I wrote, Wait, but I wasn't, was out. it Freak Show? Freak Show was, was Freak before show. Hotel. I did Freak Show. Oh, okay. Show. Okay. I couldn't get through hotel and then I went back and I did um, Roanoke and then I went back and I did um, Apocalypse, but I didn't finish it. I got like lost in the Billy Eichner with a wig on. Oh my God. Yeah. What? I got lost there. Apocalypse is so bad. It's so bad. Oh, um, I think I'm like one of the only people who likes Roanoke. Like, Oh, I liked Roanoke. I mean, it had, like, the same plot as Murder House. Like, oh, people died here, and now they haunt the house forever. But I'm, like, into that period of history. (laughs) So I was like, cool, Rowan Roanoke. I loved loved watching it from the middle on. Because it's, like, you get that, like, the the, um, 
sort of like mockumentary stuff out of the way it's like yeah. you, you can bypass that and just like yes. go straight to the story yeah, yeah and then it's only like a six episode season exactly so it's a mini series so <laughs> it's like basically mini series ah <laughs> uh, so that'll be so that'll be the next episode that's going to be super exciting oh i cannot wait to listen to that how exciting yeah murder house julia, julia thank you so much for joining <gasps> us Thank you for having me. Thank this you was so, so much. Fun. This just felt like a normal conversation that we have, where we talk for three hours about like a show, and we recorded it. I'm just yep. so pleased to finally meet you. I cannot believe it's taken this long. Oh, I know. I really feel like you've always been like a figure that I've like known of, but now I like know you, which is nice. Yes. This was really so- nice. This is wonderful. This is a fulfillment of my fantasy, not sexual, but. It could Two be people who, who I love, and, and here we all are talk, doing what I love to do most, which is talk about TV. And I'm so glad that... Talking and I love talking about TV talk with you two specifically, so how, how, how rich for me that I get to talk to both of you about a show that I love at the same, at the same time. This is really, this is like a, a literary podcast version of The Threesome at the End of Mrs. Fletcher. It is. Very We're really kind of. For everyone involved. I think it's really like it, it's really fitting that we brought you on as the guest, so we had a threesome conversation <gasps> for a show that culminates in this beautiful threesome. So, yeah, that's poetry for you. Yeah, I guess I'm Amanda. I would have said I'm a Julian, but I guess I'm an Amanda. Am I? Does that make me? You're Eve. Mrs. Fletcher? I'm Eve. Yeah, you're the common link between us. Wow. We're here to serve. So yeah, you're you're the Amanda. Yeah, uh, I love that for me. Thank you so much, guys. (laughs) Thank you, Julia. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everyone out there who is listening, because I know you're there. I mean, you have to be. You're all Um, here. If you've made it this far, you are... Probably not my parents, because I'm going to tell them not to listen to this episode. Yeah. You're yeah. in it now. Um, but, uh, follow us on Instagram at Broadcast Revisited. Follow us on Twitter at Bcast Revisited. Uh, we're also on Facebook. We are on the Anchor app, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, basically anywhere you listen to podcasts. So, podcast. Yep. We're available. Broadcast Revisited. <laughs> that's us oh, yeah that is <laughs> well thank you Catherine thank you Catherine thank you Carl thank you Julia thank you Carl thank you.